Alexa, play Imagine Dragons. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Journey Home Outreach Ministries Bible Study. Message of the Bible, Lesson 5. I'm Elder Faye, your teacher throughout this entire Message of the Bible series. In our last lesson, we studied from John, the first chapter in the 14th verse. It says the Word was made flesh and dwell among us. Jesus talked about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And after hearing such statements, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. After we heard these hard sayings in our lesson, I challenge you by asking you if you would leave him also. I hope you came to the same conclusion that the disciple Peter did. Listen, take heed to Simon Peter's answer. Then Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the word of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That statement affects us personally also. Every day we need to meditate on Peter's statement until it becomes a part of our spirit to the point that we can say, we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus says, I want have followers, and he does not hesitate to challenge us with this question. Will you also go away? We should never let the following statement be far from our mind that is found in 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter and the 2nd verse. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation, right now. We need to make up our minds. In last week's lesson, the word we and disciples heard were called the meat of the word of God. That is why so many turned back from following Jesus. They couldn't digest what was being fed. They couldn't swallow it. We wouldn't go down far enough to get into their spirit. That is why we should pray to God to help us to hear with our spiritual ears see with our spiritual eyes, and to perceive in our hearts from the Holy Spirit the message of his word, and not just the stories thereof. I also promise that we will explore Jesus' teaching through parables. But my spirit led me in another direction with this one. I believe we need time to think about last week's lesson a little more before we proceed with more Jesus' hard teachings. So I'm going to present just one parable Jesus taught, and we will move on to messages that will help us build our faith enough to help us accept the hard teachings of Jesus. But, in order for us to get to the point where we can digest the meat of the word, the hard saying Jesus taught that just seemed too hard for us to swallow, we have to get past using the milk of the word. So let's see if we can get some help. In First Peter, the second chapter, the first to the second verse, he says, Therefore, 
rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisies, envy, and slander of all kinds. He says, like newborn babes crave, crave pure spiritual milk, so by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Notice, this verse said, newborn babes. It is newborn babes who, drive, who desire milk. We should desire the sincere milk of the word. However, if we have no desire for the sincere milk, you will never grow enough to be able to digest the meat of the word of God. When we come to the Lord with a little knowledge of him, we need to have a desire to study the word of God diligently and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal this message to us. So we need to ask God to help us to get rid of those things that are hindering us from our growth in the knowledge of God and Christ Jesus our Lord, for therein it is our salvation. In John the 17th chapter, the third verse, he says, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, you have sent. I encourage you to get away from those individuals who bring into your life such things as malice and all deceit and hypocrisies and envy and slander of all kinds. And like newborn babes, crave pure spiritual milk, so by it you may grow up in your salvation. Then you will be able to to stand strong enough in your convictions to make those individuals to see the error of their ways and bring them to Christ. In Psalms 1, it says, Blessed is the man that walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, not standeth in the way of sinners, not sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaves shall, shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. It goes on to tell us that the ungodly are not so, but are like the shaft with the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, and are sinners in the congregation of righteousness. For the Lord doeth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. It is a blessing to be able to see the meat of the word, the hard sayings, to be strong enough to help others who are struggling with their walk in the Lord. In 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, in the 11th verse, it says, When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I become a man, I put away childish things. Now, let's listen to the parable of the sore. Listen. In Luke, the 8th chapter, the 5th through the 15th verse, it says, A sower went out to sow his seeds, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon rocks, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it, choked it. 
and others fell on good grounds and sprung up and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? Even though Jesus was using physical examples to convey spiritual things, his disciples still could not make the conversion from the natural to the spiritual. And he said, Until you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but through others in parables, that sin they may not see, and hearing they may not hear or understand. Jesus is now talking to his twelve disciples who did not turn back. Time is drawing near for Jesus to leave and face the cross. He wanted to make sure they understand they understood the message. He was entrusting with them. So in Luke the eighth chapter, the eleventh through the fifteenth verse, he explained. Now the parable is this the seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and take away the word from their heart, so they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocket ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no roots. They believe for a while, but in the times of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stand for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasure, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and keep and keep it, and produce a crop, because no man will be lighted a candle cover it with the vessel or put it on a bed but sit it on a candlestick that they which enter may see the light. Those are the ones who go out and spread more seeds but nothing is secret that should not be made manifest. Neither anything hid that should not be known and become a broad. Take heed therefore how you hear for whosoever hath him shall be taken away, even that which he seemed to have. Remember that which fell among thorns, they which, when they had heard the word, they went forth, and they had choked cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. It is taken away, even that which they seem to have. When you are choked, you can't swallow, nothing can get inside you. And so what you seem to have is taken away. It can't get down inside your spirit. This is the message here. The seed that is sown is the word of God. Your words are like seeds. They have the ability to create and even multiply. In Proverbs, the 18th chapter, the 20th to the 21st verse says, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thou. In other words, 
You shall eat the fruit and be filled by the very words that come out of your own mouth. Whether it is life or death, that is what you will get. So, take heed, therefore, how you hear. It is important that we guard what we allow our minds to entertain after hearing the word, as well as what we speak. As Christians, we sometimes make the error of thinking that because God is sovereign, he makes, that it makes no difference what we speak out of our mouth. We sometimes believe that God will just do what he wants, and we cannot alter his plan. But this is for us. God qualifies his sovereignty. He tells us that what he will and what he will not do. He has set up principles for us to follow. If we violate his principles, we suffer the consequences. If you are a follower of Jesus, the word of God is to govern our thoughts, actions, and our conversation. No more owl chit-chatting, talking with no meaning for purpose. In Philippians, the first chapter, the 27th verse, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. We as Christians sometimes help each other very little in ordinary conversation and often do much more harm than good. There are few who can talk for any length of time without falling into conversations that is not only unprofitable but positively harmful. That's a flaw in our life that should be dealing with seriously. It often happens that after coming together, all the good effects of the gathering will be destroyed. A light and unworthy conversation. I have witnessed this, especially in my family gathering. This is a sad fault. It is true that as much as such gathering, that at such gathering, everyone present is not saved. How should we act? In Matthew, the fifth chapter, the sixteenth verse says. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Harmful or vain speech block any chance of revival that may have had happened to take place. And it grieves the spirit more than we are likely to realize. It destroys every effort of making a spiritual impression and make it almost impossible to prepare the damage done and to recapture the move for which the gathering was intended to begin with, which was to get together and enjoy each other's company and to fellowship and love. After such, after such a fellowship, everyone seemed to be lost. They seemed to be dazed from trying to figure out how things got so broken. Thus, we are compelled constantly to go over and over again the work it takes to take um, laws by unprofitable conversation. It is not necessary that we form a habit of constant religious chatter when we meet with our friends and families. There's no sure proof of our lack of seriousness in our Christianity than the careless way religion is often discussed among us. I do not suggest that we engage in more religious talk Religious shop talk can be as dull and boring as any other shop talk. And what is worse, 
it may become insincere and meaningless. The ideal to aim at is a morally pure, natural, and love-washed conversation at all times. Whether we are discussing things on earth or things in heaven. Now, back to sowing the seeds of God's word. The kingdom of God operates in seed time and harvest. We know from the parable of the sower that the word of God is the seed that is sown. It's the seed that the word of God is the seed that the sower is to plant. There is ability in every seed to produce once it is planted. If you plant the seed of God's word in your heart and speak it out of your mouth, it will produce life, not only for you, but also for others who hear it. On the other hand, if you plant seeds of murmuring, complaining, and griping, and fear, and doubt, and unbelief, and gossip, and disease, poverty, and lack, and weakness, then it will also produce according to the word that you have spoken. These kinds of words spoken, it only produces death. Only God's word produces life. In Mark the 11th chapter, chapter the 23rd verse, verse, you just said as much. But if you shall believe that those things which you said shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever he said. You shall have exactly what you speak. You will literally eat the fruit of your lips. You will reap a harvest of the seed you have been planting. Listen to what said in Joshua. Joshua, the first chapter, 7th, 8th verse. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. But then shall thou make your way process, and then shall you have good success. In Numbers, the 14th chapter, 28th verse, God tells the murmuring Israelite, I will do to you the very thing I have heard you say. Your words are very important. God and Satan listen to your words and are willing to move on what they hear from you. God will only agree with his words. When we speak his word out of our mouth, he is ready to move on it and bring it to pass. In Jeremiah, the first chapter, the twelfth verse, said, I will hasten my word to perform it. So speak God's word. They will also listen. He is eager to accommodate us when we speak words of fear and doubt and unbelief. Let's listen to James, the third chapter, in the second verse. James tells us that a very large ship is actually steered by a very small rudder. He compares the rudder to the human tongue. Though it is a small member of the physical body, it actually steers us into the direction of our words we speak. Your future depends on what you speak today. In Matthew 12, chapter 36, verse, Jesus said, We will have to give an account of every idle word. That word idle means useless. Useless conversation does not build up. It doesn't edify anyone. It doesn't produce anything good in our lives. You may have to ask God to forgive you for speaking things that are wrong. You may need to apply the blood of Jesus to destroy any potential harvest coming your way from useless and 
unbelieving word that you have sworn in the past. You will then have to begin to plant words of faith and discipline yourself to only speak godly faith-building words. In Hebrew, the 10th chapter, 23rd verse, let us hold fast our confession of our faith. Begin today the one for your future of abundance, health, wealth, wealth, and the fulfillment of God's promise in your life. Then have the faith to believe that the word is true. The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely as I, as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have purpose, so shall it stand. After you have heard and accepted God's word, speak God's word over your life and over your family. Then have faith to believe that God is faithful to bring it to pass. In Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the first verse, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is one of those statements that sort of abstract. We seem to understand assurance and evidence, but when it gets to things unseen, we get stalled. So get alone. Close your eyes and ask God to help you connect the assurance and evidence to the things that you are trying to have faith for but cannot see it happening. When you get along and meditate, the Holy Spirit will make this verse come alive in your life. And before you know it, you are there. What you were hoping for will manifest itself in the natural. Praise God. As I mentioned in the first and second lesson, that we were going to visit some of the Old Testament prophets in order to help us strengthen our faith. And let's look at the faith of Abraham. I find it highly significant that the scripture says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him. Righteousness. Abraham not only believed in God in the sense that of believing that God is the only true God, but he believed God and was willing to submit his whole life to the will of God. He manifested his faith in his obedience and trusted God to fulfill his promises. This is exactly the attitude we need toward God today. There's a far larger number of people who say they believe in God than those who actually say they believe God. Pleasing God requires more of us than believing that God is. We must also believe that he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. When Abraham was called, called, there are three outstanding examples from Abraham's life that shows that Abraham believed God. In Genesis, the 12th chapter, verse to the 7th verse, the first of these three was when God called him out of Ur, that's where he was living, of the child of Jesus, those who were his people, promising to show him a land in which to dwell and to give him numerous descendants that all families of the earth would be blessed through his seed. In Hebrews 11, chapter 8, verse, the writer of the Hebrews said, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed to go out into a place where he 
which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out, not even knowing to what place he was going to. Abraham believed God. He believed that God would lead him to the land he had promised. All Abraham had to go on was the word of God. But he believed God and he obeyed God's instruction. There's no suggestion of hesitation or doubting in any part. He believed God and obeyed. The second illustration of Abraham's faith is in connection with the birth of Isaac. God assured Abraham, Abraham that he would father a son. Abraham was about 86 years old at that time. No longer after this is why Sarah concocted a plan to aid God. We need to step back and let God be God. He does not need our help with his plan. We need to just let go and let God. Since Sarah was barren, she suggested that Abraham father child by her handmaid, Hagar, which he did. Hagar became his wife, and she bore Ishmael when Abraham was 86 years of age. Thirteen years later, when Abraham was 99 years old, God appeared to him to renew his covenant with him. At this time, he declared that Ishmael was not the son of promise, but that Sarah would conceive and bear a son to be called Isaac. So Sarah's plan didn't work, and it brought much heartache to the situation. Sarah was 90 years old, 90 years of age at this time, and past the age of childbearing. But by faith, Sarah received the power to conceive. In Romans, the fourth chapter, the 19th through the 21st. First, Paul, in his writings to Romans, said of Abraham, and without being weakened in faith, he considered not his own body not as good as dead, he being about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet looking into the promise of God, he wavered not through unbelief, but went strong through faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what he had promised, he was able to perform. In Genesis, the 21st chapter, in the 12th verse, Isaac was born according to God's promise, and God assured Abraham that Isaac shall be the seed, shall be that seed. When Isaac had grown up to be a young man, Abraham's faith in God was put to the most severe test. He had met this test. How he met this test is our third illustration of the fact that Abraham believed God. In Genesis 22nd chapter, 1st to 2nd verse, God commanded Abraham to take Isaac, the son of promise, Father in his old age into the land of Moriah, and there offer him as a burnt offering unto God. Abraham did not hesitate. He rose early in the morning, shouted his donkey, took two of the young men with him, and Isaac his son. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and went to the place of which God had told him. 
When he arrived, he bound the Isaac, placed him on the altar, upon the wood, and took his knife to slay his son. At this point, the angel of God stopped him and said, Now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld the son, thine only son from me. How could Abraham do such a thing? Why was his face so strong that nothing, nothing could penetrate it? That he would be willing to slay his own son? The answer is that Abraham believed God. By faith, Abraham being tried, offered up Isaac. Yet he that had gladly received the promise was offering up his only begotten son. Who knew what said, and Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God is able to raise up even from the dead. Abraham believed God. He was confident that God would fulfill his promise to Isaac, even if it required him to raise Isaac from the dead. Yeah, Abraham believed God. But it was not by faith alone. Abraham's faith was reckoned unto him for righteousness, but it was not faith alone without works of obedience. James asked, Why not, was not Abraham our father justified by works in that he offered up Isaac his son upon the altar? Thou seest that faith walked his work, and by work was faith made perfect, and the scripture was fulfilled, it said. And Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. This serves to show that we are not justified by faith only. We have to be obedient. Obedience with our faith is what makes things work. So, from the above, we can learn that in what it means to really believe God. The person who believes God is willing to who believes God, he's willing to submit his will completely to God's command. He may not see any sense in it, but he is willing to to obey God anyhow. His attitude speaks, Lord, thy. Alexa, play Whitney Houston. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Alexa, play Imagine Dragons. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.